Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Hannah Lloyd. Hi Hannah, how are you? Hi Kieran, I'm good thanks. How are you? Yeah, how have you been coping with um, coronavirus? Things haven't really changed that much for you. No, apart from just not being able to like sort of go out on weekends and things yeah. like that, yeah. So. I want to kind of start at the very beginning. Um, how did you get interested in theatre? And uh, how did you get involved with Values Kids? Um, so I moved to schools. Um, so obviously I stopped doing Bigfoot because that was part of the school I was in. Um, and I sort of didn't have uh, any sort of outside club or anything to go to. And I was, I was getting a bit restless, I think, in the house. Um, so me and my mother literally just like Googled clubs and whatever and Valley's kids popped up um, and I just turned up randomly at one session um, and met Miranda and yeah that, that went from there um, and I ended up doing all kinds of uh, things with them um, they're just yeah irreplaceable experiences really yeah and was that first impression like kind of, this is where I want to be, did you feel kind of immediately at home there? Yeah, no, 100%, I think, after my fifth session, because I was always quite shy as a child, 
um, suffered like quite a lot with sort of making friends and things like that. I couldn't, I wasn't very good at it. Um, and I think when I joined Valley's Kids, I really found a place where I sort of belonged. So, yeah. and it's always, it's always had that like lasting thing for me. Like if I ever feel a bit lost in my life, even to now, and I sort of re- retrieve my steps back to there. Yeah. Find, find where I need to go next. And it sort of always gives me a bit of a, a point where I can like be like, yeah, no, I know, I know what I want to do now. It always gives me a bit of momentum to carry on going. Yeah. Was there a particular project that you did that you kind of really enjoyed? Were there a lot of crossovers between the two cultures? Shane 
circles and be around more people I think that helped me then like when I decided like when I went into doing a professional career like having those contacts was really valuable um and I think the course itself uh, really prepared me to be a theatre maker as opposed to an actor even though it was an acting course right I think like lots of elements of the course were really designed to make you put your own sort of initiative into creating work as opposed to just being a sort of like a a model for a director just to say do this do that it it gave you a lot of no we could do this we could do that and yeah and be an actor in that way which I think is really valuable in the current industry as a performer was that something you were on board with? Did you want to kind of start making your own work or would you rather kind of go for an audition and be cast in a in a play in the traditional sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think both. I think as I kind of yeah I know what you're saying yeah um and in terms of your process as an actor when you prepare I haven't put this in the notes but in terms of your process when you're preparing for a character um is there a specific like technique or strategy or does it vary every time Yeah, sort of. I, 
instincts about things, so I can read the script and go, oh, I think this is a bit of an instinct, and then just run with that, and then if that doesn't work halfway through, I'll slowly change what I'm doing, so no one notices. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, most, most of the time, unless, it's the, like, unless I've been specifically asked by a director, you need to do X, Y, Z, then I'll do X, Y, Z, but if I just could have at it, I think I, I just play in the space yeah. and see what comes out of that. There's not really any like rigid. And sometimes I think we over kind of, we make it too academic. Like we yeah. forget that it, it should be playful. You, an actor should have the opportunity to play with a character and mess about and try things. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm not going to your house for Christmas, eh? Yeah, after hearing that. But, like, do, do you do you know where, where your ideas come from when you're acting? Or, because with me, they just kind of happen, and I really can't describe where the information or the inspiration has come from. Yeah.
is something that people tell you not to do because of, you know, you're not putting value to your, to your pieces, which I sort of get, but also I have mixed opinions and I just need to work out what actually is, is right and wrong in terms of that. But we did free fringe and, um, yeah, so it was sort of, we didn't have to pay as much to register the play, which is great. And then we just sort of upstairs in this bar like sort of a sort of like a function room but it was small so right. it's, um, yeah so it was like a small function room mm. probably yeah I think we had about 18 20 seats out if that yeah so it was a very big space at all what, what kind of reception did you get um very Icelandic fans. <laughs> of course. Uh, seriously. Yeah. And they came, they came to three shows. Um, wow. And they were in another show. And yeah, they came to one show just because two of the girls were like, come and see your show. And they were like, okay, it's free. It's only half an hour. We'll come see it. They came to see it. They loved it. And then they came back a second time and brought their entire cast. <laughs> so that was like a really good show. It was pretty much full. Um, and then they came a third time there, and so they really enjoyed it. We had another show where we only had three people in the audience, but we never had to not do a show because we didn't have enough people, which I think is an achievement. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and we did have Icelandic fans, which... You can't, you can't <laughs> buy Icelandic fans. <laughs> no, exactly, like how random. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to move on. I'd like to talk about small fry. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. What was the process of writing the play like? Um, again, it sort of started because I wanted to write another play. Um, I'd be graduated about a year. I'd done a few bits of bobs. Um, of like performing and things but I think I really started to feel what it's actually like to not be constantly in that creative world yeah um so I started writing small fry um it was originally a three a three-hander um and again like like a single tree we've just got to whap it on and we've got to go let's, yeah, let's do it let's like, just do something um but then that sort of developed into something else because two of the boys, um, they were meant to be in it, couldn't be in it because of multiple different reasons. Right. Um, so I just made it a one-woman piece about this character. Um, and we spent four or five weeks me Yaz and Josh in the WMC uh, in one of their spaces just sort of developing a character and sorting a plot out and I went away and I wrote the first half of the script in about four days right. um, it just sort of all just came out and I thought oh yeah this sounds like I've actually really got something to say about this character um like I mean, about this topic and yeah 
short sharing in Pengraig in, in one of Alice Kids' spaces yeah. in Wispark. Um, and then they had a really good like, response from a working class audience. So then we applied to do WMC um, to have a different take, to have a different type of audience because I think the audience you have at WMC and the audience you have at Pengraig are very different. Yeah. Um, so to get some fresh directors on her as well, just have some fresh eyes. So I got in, um, so Nerida and uh, another person called Di Thomas co-directed it. I think in Nerida, I think in Nerida. Yeah, he's from Valley's Kids as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. know that, yeah. And he went to USW. Yeah, oh, yeah. between a pedagogic audience and a WMC audience? It wasn't, which I was quite surprised about, I think, because my worry was because it's, it's very local, it's very, um, it's very observational about the difference between Cardiff and the one that it's like very, very observational. So I was always a bit worried about if you're not from these places, do you understand? Um, but actually had the same response from the from the two places mm. um, and then I did a bit for a scene as well in the other room and I had a really good like I had a, a similar response from there as well um, there's a guy from Australia and he was like I'm from Australia and I understand mm. what you're saying um, you know even though I don't know the places the, the, the like message is the same so What was that experience of working with different directors like? Did they have different kind of opinions on where they wanted to take it?
so it was a sort of a, a more relaxed approach, mm-hmm. I think, then to, you know, but I, I think I was a bit of a nightmare working on it for my final piece of my master's because I just felt a lot of pressure. So I think if I didn't have that pressure, I think she probably, I could have given it more, like, just have it, do what you yeah. want with it, which is, which is the next step, I think. I just sort of want to relinquish that control and just put it out. Yeah. yeah. So you feel that it does have a, a further life that you want to take to further? Yeah. yeah, I think so, definitely. I think it's an important piece. I think it needs some rewriting um, in places and redrafting and some shaping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, it definitely like can have a life after what I already had, um, what that would be, I, I'm not sure, you know, yeah. Did you write it, kind of knowing you were going to cast Yaz? Yeah, it, yeah, 100%, because well, we developed the character with Yaz, um, so I, like, knew that she would play that character, um, and she did a lot of character development work on, on that. I think that it's a piece of writing that I would want to be able for other actors to play because otherwise it's not a very good piece of writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that character has got a lot of credit to Yaz as well because um, she was in that room as we are writing. Um, so I think she, yeah, she's got like sort of a special connection with our play as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't think at all that the character is based on Yasmin's personality because it's definitely not. Um, they very the character and Yasmin very different. So it's not so much, and it's not based on her acting style either. It just happens to be the she was the person we were bouncing a lot of this off. Yeah. A lot of interpretation and yeah, at some points I think in real life and fake life they only engine as one person, which is yeah. because it's a scary character in some ways, so <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to ask you about general kind of representation of working class people in Welsh theatre. Um and what you think can be done in order to increase that representation. Have we got enough time for this? I mean... (laughs) 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 You might not get to talk about Hamlet, but fill your mood, Hamlet, seriously. Can I start with, um, was there a time when you noticed there was either bias or discrimination yeah. on you because you were working class? And then the, 
it hit me that uh, I have to pay bills. Uh, so I went and I, I got a job at Lidl. And I was trying to do a creative life alongside working at Lidl. Um, obviously not getting any money from the creative things I was doing. Uh, I think that's, that goes same for lots and lots of people who are just starting out. I think they do a lot of things for free. Um, we're trying to then balance being able to pay things and do what I want to do came harder and harder and then I was seeing people who maybe weren't in such a financial financially difficult position being able to do more things than I was able to do because they could take that time to do it because um, they didn't necessarily have to work yeah uh, I think another big thing for me, which I, I've grown out of now, was needing to live in Cardiff. Like, when I first graduated, I was like, I need to live there to be able to do stuff there, um, but to be able to do anything, mm. which it would, just was not financially viable for me. It's still not financially viable for me. Um, I tried it for a bit. It, it's not going to work. Um, I can't afford it. If I wanna only work part time, if I wanna live in Cardiff and live on my own, I'm gonna have to work full time, which I don't wanna do because I wanna still have time to be able to develop my own work, to take up acting opportunities, to write, to to do all those things that bring me lots of joy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um. So I think I saw a difference in in opportunity there and I felt I think for the first time in my life I think this I've, I've never ever had a chip on my shoulder because I don't think I've ever realised yeah. difference um we always had a joke with, with my friend Josh and Uni because he was quite posh and things like that and I think I've always been like let's vote Labour let's not vote Conservatives and things like that um but I never properly noticed actually the difference in terms of it's affecting me personally. So it was the opportunity and it was the fact that like, I felt like I needed to live in Cardiff to be able to, to be anything in terms of being able to get work, yeah. being able to go and watch plays um, and all these things. So I felt like I had to be there which isn't true because there's lots of things that I can do in the Ronda but because that's not noticed I think by the industry as much as all of these Cardiff based companies noticed then it makes you as a young a young artist think I've got to move from where I am mm. to be able to admit to be able to do anything um, Problem is that the Cardiff is a magnet and all the yeah. companies are based there. So it's natural to feel if I'm not there, then I'm not contributing anything yeah. to the industry that I want to be a part of. Yeah, and I'm not part of that, which I think in itself is prejudice to, 
wheels are such a vast place. I think the, the, the difference between the Romba and Cardiff and Talbot and Cardiff, the big differences in terms of these places. So people from these different places are going to make different kinds of work. So then why, if I'm making work for these audiences, that why do I feel like I have to be in Cardiff to do that? Yeah, because um, audiences in Rwanda, audiences in Patalba, and they need work, need to see work as much yeah. as, even more than Cardiff audiences do. Because Cardiff is so saturated in terms of theatre. You've got Sherman, you've got Tor, you've got WMC, you've got Chapter, you've got The Gate, Sign of the Hall, and on and on and on we go. But, in, but I can't remember the last time there was a play on in Potalba. Like, you've got to go to Nice or Pontadelli to see theatre.
working class people in them um, and that representation of what that is. Written by middle class writers largely. Yeah. Is it almost a kind of comedic, uh, making it comedic and making it over the top and exaggerated? Yeah, and making them the jokes or making them the sob story or, you know, <laughs> sort of, yeah, just, uh, and also not getting that, um, you know, people who work in class don't actually have holes in their, in their, in their clothes. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really, really old stereotype from Victorian ages that people need to get over. Um, like, yeah, sorry, like, I, I have got shoes that are fully, mm. fully together. Like, it's just simple things like that that I think, you know, look around and, and ask someone who's Who's working class? Um, I think ticket ticket prices and venues is just something that needs to change to invite more people in. There's just probably is that's just some just an unbelievable mountain to climb. Yeah. Um, like I'll say over and over again, WMC is on the doorstep, boot town. How many people do you see going in to watch? You know musicals and things are from Boottown, you know, the, yeah. how, how can you engage those those communities? And I think WMC are great because I've had some, like, discounted tickets and I've taken the young people that I work with um, and I've, I work in a care home, so it's a children's home, and I've taken some of the young people to go and see, we went to see the nativity at Christmas time. Right. And it was... It was amazing. They absolutely loved it. But if I wasn't part of this industry, I wouldn't know about that. It's it's about um, venues and companies letting organisations know that these opportunities yeah. exist and making yeah. them more inclusive. Exactly. And with that, I knew about that because I used to do a bit of reviewing with Get the Chance. So I knew that they had discounts for things because I um, had one before to get the chance. And I thought, oh, that, you know, I'll see if they've got any for um, the nativity because the kids really wanted to go and see it. Um, but what's the harm in, in WMC contacting Cardiff Children's Services and saying, look, we have these for, instead yeah. of just doing it on an internal, an internal art basis, like, you know. Yeah. yeah, but then I suppose there are good things happening, like the Sherman Christmas show toured to the Christmas show for little ones toured yeah. to disadvantaged areas, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. effort to 
in terms of of race and and LGBTQ plus groups and things yeah. like that. People and I, I often think that working class just doesn't even get rep- like recognised as something that we need to. As a minority, it's not a yeah. it's not a protected characteristic in the legal sense, like. Yeah. So if someone discriminated against you because you were working class, it would be treated differently than if someone discriminated against me because I've got cerebral palsy. Yeah. And for me, I don't see how you can equate or compare those two because it's still discrimination based on something that you can't control. talk about Hamlet's. Um, how did you get involved with the project and um, uh, Hamlet's, what, yeah. Yeah. What, and yeah. what was it like as an experience? Uh, Hamlet, I got involved, I just saw it on Facebook. Um, and I just thought, oh, turn it on its head and think about it in a way, for me at least, that I hadn't really thought about it before. People forget that Hamlet was only, well, he was, no, he was in his 30s in the play, but the way it's written, it seems like someone who's about 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of confusion and isolation that he feels 
is so similar to what lots of young people are going through nowadays. And then we started to create these characters to make a piece and then we thought 
well, why don't we just develop this into something else and try and get a bit of a like a production company going? Yeah. Um, maybe don't just make theatre. We can do podcasts, and we can we in the middle of writing a film script for a short film that um we we would wow. do to fil- film in April. Oh but, um, no. I can't think why. I can't think why. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah, but obviously that's been just put on the back burner. We're going to be doing that hopefully when all this is over. And is it about making yourselves visible? It's, yeah, it's about making ourselves visible and about, as well, talking about this, being a working class performer and giving working class artists an opportunity. So at the moment we're collaborating in terms of the film collaborating with um, someone called Charlotte uh, from my masters and um, she's like awesome behind the camera I don't know you know she she does lots of production stuff as well um, and you know she's from Aberdeen well she's not from Aberdeen she lives in Aberdeen at the moment but And that's partially the reason why I'm doing this podcast, just to keep the motor running, keep, yeah. keep having that creative outlet. For me, I need that creative outlet. It's probably the same for you, that you need yeah. to be making stuff most yeah. of the time. Updated as how it goes and everything. No. Fine. Um, <laughs> fine. Uh, fi- finally, last question before I let you go back into the ether. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out? Or who, who's interested in the arts but doesn't know where to go really? the thing like I, there's questions in there but I'm like okay maybe it's like more like what you wish someone would have told you when you were 13 14 oh um I don't know I think I'd say 
Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.